0: What's up, what's up, creators? Welcome back to episode three of the Live to Create podcast. And I'm super excited to announce and introduce you guys to one of my good friends, Ed. He's Edward Lee Films on Instagram. If you aren't following him already, we're going to be diving into a bunch of topics revolving around business and life in general. So here we go. What's going on, Ed? Welcome to the love to create podcast, man. I'm happy to have you on board.
1: What is up? Thank you for having me on the podcast. I feel like I'm... Am I the first guest that you have?
0: You're the first guest. You're the third episode, too.
1: I'm honored. My man. I'm honored to be So do you want to give
0: everybody else um, a little bit of background about you if they don't really know who you are already?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, My name is Edward Lee. I'm a filmmaker and content creator, uh, business owner based in... Seattle, Washington. I mean, I'm technically in Auburn, Milton, but no one would know if you're not from around here where that is. So for sure. Based in Washington. Um, also, uh, pretty much I've been freelancing for the past two years now, I would say. So yeah.
0: Two years. Yeah. Heck yeah. So let's dive into like three, four years ago. Mm Were you doing the nine to five route? And I know you were working with Rhino at one point as well. Do you want to give us um, some background about what you learned from that experience and what you didn't like about that route that made you want to go full-time?
1: So yeah, I used to work at Rhino Camera Gear. Um, what was that, like 2016 to 2018? And for those of you who are listening who don't know what that is, it was a slider company. They make motorized sliders. So in the filmmaking world, those little uh track system that they have so i worked there for like two years i started out as like a social media manager and then i kind of shifted into digital marketing and also content creation but uh i mean just to give credit to that job i i really loved that job it was awesome like the people that i work with were really cool yeah. um what i was doing was amazing um honestly a lot of my experience that i have right now definitely got to give credit to those two years that i spent at that startup um but then it just got to a point where I felt like I wanted to do something more for myself and I feel like I've always kind of had sure. that, that instinct even from high school or even, um, yeah, when I was getting out of high school, I've always knew I wanted to be a business owner one day. I just didn't know exactly what business at that time. Content creation wasn't really like something I thought I would take seriously when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just got to a point where I was at a startup for two whole years and I was clocking oh well not i wasn't clocking in but i was on a salary but still i would be going in every single day monday would roll around it's the monday grind and then friday rolls around and i'm like excited about friday and i just knew that yeah. there was more to this whole career thing this whole entrepreneur journey than just that and so kind of just started to build my business on the side for a couple months probably like a year or so you know slowly without stressing myself out and then it got to a point where the timing just aligned, and uh, I just made the jump. Went full send on that.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah, man! And d- before you like even applied to work at Rhino, did you have any experience in the film industry? I don't really know your background too much before that. Did, have you been doing like film, photo for a while?
1: Zero. I had zero experience in the film world, um, and that's just kind of going giving credit back to to Rhino too. They they saw the potential in me. I mean i don't i wouldn't say i wasn't a content creator at the time um when i was applying to that job is around when um like instagram was kind of blowing up in the whole like what do you call it like p and w kind of space up here like where everyone's yeah. taking photos of nature and making themselves look small in a big mountainscape like that was like really popular at the, around that time i mean it still is but it was booming around then and so i was i had a lot of mm-hmm. photos my photography portfolio was pretty extensive at that time I just didn't have any video work it was like and i did have like one or two that were like decent but not enough where clients would be like paying me or or hiring me as like a filmmaker at that time so i didn't really have any video work but sure. the position i was applying for was actually for customer service at first that's that's what the job was and you know long story short i was just like kind of not in a really good spot in my life at that time so i i just took that low hanging fruit of like okay customer service is whatever like it's not where I want to end up, but it's at a company that I feel like might have some growth. And so I just kind of bit the bullet and, and applied for it. But then after the interview, um, the, the boss there, Kyle, he kind of just said, hey, like, I, don't, I feel like it's kind of a waste of your content creation, passion and skill to put you in customer service. So why don't we just start kind of cultivating you here, like as a content creator, as a social media manager? Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I didn't have, um, any kind of professional, professional, professional experience in content creation before that.
0: Cool. That's amazing, man. So after you learned all that, all those experiences working with Rhino, um, I feel like you wore a couple different hats while you were there as well. So that definitely helped. What, how did you learn more of the the business stuff of like starting your business, um, doing your, starting as a sole proprietor in all those little aspects, people don't really know. Like, you don't really learn that in college, you know? It's more like self-taught, like going through the trial and trial error and whatnot. Um, did you have a mentor or anybody, or did you just research on Google and YouTube and just figure it out yourself? Mm, that's a good
1: question. I mean, honestly, I didn't really have uh, any mentors specifically. I just feel like I was always... Pretty keen on trying to stay organized trying to stay compliant with state like I always knew running a business It was more than just making money like there's taxes like these are all things that you know But then like you said a lot of people just don't understand that there's some like nitty-gritty details that you need to know And so for that I usually just went to Google Google or YouTube. I mean like everyone I got my first gig And I was like, all right, what do I do with this money? Do I just put it into my bank account? And that's what I did in the beginning. I would just get PayPal. I would just put it in my bank account and be like, cool, made some money. But then when that 500 turns into a thousand and when that thousand turns into 5,000, you're just like, okay, I should probably start somehow making this more legit. I can't just be making $5,000 and, you know, just putting it in (laughs) as like an allowance, you know what I mean? And so at that point, that's when I pretty much became a sole proprietor Um, and then soon after you become a sole proprietor and you get to meet more creatives, they're like, oh, well, you're not protected You shouldn't be a sole prop and then I went to google type in "sole prop versus llc and then you look like research all that stuff and basically it's just google and youtube and experience. Um I didn't really have any I didn't go to school to learn any kind of specific accounting or all that kind of stuff I pretty much just always tapped into uh, people that I knew that were doing it. That's a big one Like if I knew a creator was making money I would just ask like I wouldn't even ask about his creative stuff in the beginning I would literally be like yo, like who's your accountant? Like who's your how do you do bookkeeping? How do you yeah, like do you have bank accounts set up for your business? Like I, I asked those like random questions But those are all things that are super important that you have to set up on the front end because if you don't set those up on the front end uh, It can get really stressful <laughs> later when you start making actual money.
0: Cool. So I feel like I'm the same way as well. Like just going on Google, doing your research on YouTube, like you could find the answers to any questions you have. You just have to do your due diligence and do the homework. Um, I feel like the more work you put in, the more you'll get out of it. And I feel like asking questions to different people definitely goes a long way. But at the same time, I feel like some people like reach out to me with like, not dumb questions or stupid questions, but that stuff they could just fucking find on Google they just type in that question you know so I feel like doing your homework and doing your part as a business owner or as an aspiring business owner is definitely key if you really want to grow as well I feel like you can't just sit back and have all the answers come to you at the end of the day if you want want something you have to go out and get it and by going out and getting it you have to do the research putting your putting your fucking put in that work Um, because everybody else did, who started a business. Um, They were at where they've been where you were at. So you have to do your part, too. My tip for other people, I guess, is to not only surround yourself with a good network of other entrepreneurs or business owners and ask them questions and whatnot, but you have to separate your stupid questions from your legitimate questions that you could either figure out yourself or learn from someone else. You know,
1: definitely, definitely. I mean to uh, to add on that yeah just to add on that just a little bit more um I feel like a lot of people they they get told when they're younger like there's no such thing as a stupid question but that's honestly not true there are stupid questions that you ask and it's not really stupid I would just say that some questions are easily found online and I think that's the biggest thing like I get that too sometimes like some people will DM me or message me and they'll ask a question where I'm like Did you even try to go to google and google it for for like literally two seconds because the answers are on the it's like you know those auto loaded answers that come up on google's first link it's like it's like opens half the web page (laughs) like it's like something like that and i'm like that's how you know yeah i get i I guess basically i'm agreeing with you if you're trying to be a business owner um you have to learn how to troubleshoot that's like the biggest thing like if you don't know something you got to figure it figure it out whether that be through google through YouTube through other your network, like you have to troubleshoot because um pretty much being a business owner is being pretty much a, a full time problem solver as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I know you talked about how you kind of started your going from this nine to five job to going full time as a creative, but what did you struggle with most, I guess, in your year one of your business? Um I feel like a lot of people talk about they kind of skip that year one part of where everybody's going through that trial and error um portion of their business, what did you struggle with most, I guess, or some of the most common questions you wish you knew the answers to that you could help other creatives out there who are at where you've been? Mm-hmm, definitely.
1: I would have to say for me, like the biggest struggle was honestly, um, probably just like belief in, in yourself. I think that when you, when you quit your job, I mean, we can kind of get into it more. I mean, it's all about calculated risk and it's all about setting up runway and that's like a whole other thing but a biggest struggle for me was just the whole idea of trying to make a six figure business as a content creator. Like I knew that that was possible, but then when you quit your job and you're doing it and you're all you're seeing are like $500 invoices, $600 invoices, $700 invoices, you're like, how the heck am I gonna get to $100,000 doing all this work as a content creator? It just becomes, it can be easily overwhelming in the beginning because you're just like not at the skill level where you can be getting really high ticketed invoices. Um, And so, you know, it can be overwhelming basically. That's something I struggled with when I was like, when I was first dabbling into videography, like my first few gigs, they were like 400, 300, 600 and, and those kind of numbers. And yeah, I guess if you're making side money, it's not bad. Um, but if that's your full-time job, that's pretty bad. If that's only getting you like one or two a month, right? And so I think, I mean, yeah, but that overwhelmed me in the beginning, but that soon went away fast. And I guess this is more so the solution is because before I quit my job, I made for sure that I had a runway of about six to 12 months, uh, of just cash. So like, I calculated it out, like if I literally made no money, like zero money as a content creator, I just flopped for like, I would still be able to be pretty good for a year. Um, so I pretty much bought myself a free year. And that's kind of that's kind of what you have to do if you're trying to quit a job to go full time. I think it's a bad, bad decision to follow anyone's advice when they say, no, just chase your dreams, uh, full send it and uh, everything will work out. That's just so far from the truth. Like it's it doesn't work out that way. Um, yes, I do believe that you do need some sort of uh, belief, you need some kind of passion to definitely like drive your business if you want to be successful, but um, don't just that's not the only thing that gets the bills paid. You have to have everything set up yeah, before you man. quit your job.
0: Yeah, I feel like risk is definitely a huge part in the reward and success and whatnot, but I feel like you have to take a calculated risk, especially when you're just starting out and I feel like everybody there's different stages of people going full-time. You know, there's people who might be in high school living with their parents still, or in college, or people who are married. And then there's people who have like kids, like there's different levels of risk you're taking. And someone with like five kids trying to go all in with no money in their savings versus someone who has no bills to pay, you know? Um, There's different levels of risk and depending where you're at on that scale or on that spectrum then, yeah, maybe you could take a little more risk here and there. But if you're at the other side of the spectrum with like kids to feed and whatnot, you definitely have to be very strategic about when it's time to go all in and doing your part, having that six to twelve months like you had of income set aside in your savings. I feel like the first year or two or even longer than that, after starting a creative business, your income kind of like fluctuates. You might have like three good months and then two to five bad months. You know, it's kind of hard to scale where that income is coming up, is coming in from, especially if you don't have like retainer clients, for example, and you're just going like job by job. Like you might get a $10,000 month one, one month, but then you might get 2,000 the next or none the next. You just never know, especially now during quarantine, you know, like some people aren't working at all. And a lot of people are taking hit from that. All the small businesses are shutting down um creatives can't go out and shoot most of them can't it's insane so how important is it to you to set aside savings i guess even now um after you're starting your business do you do that
1: yeah yeah i get i guess so or do That's you like
0: cuz i feel like some people just spend all the money coming in you know so do you try mm-hmm. to just allocate your money to things you need now yeah. that you're a couple years in versus just buying all the new shiny objects
1: Mm, yeah shiny shiny object syndrome it's real it is real i have it right now with the canon eos r5 for that's about sure. to come out <laughs> that camera is making yeah. me <laughs> want to buy it so bad but i guess to answer your question um as far as uh, like avoiding that or just savings in general i kind of have a rule for myself like i never buy gear unless i know that my next gig can pay off the whole thing um so i guess like uh i never spend current money i guess if that makes sense like let's say i want to buy a camera that's like fifteen hundred dollars um i could just buy it right now and take it out of my account which i have done in the past but for the most part i'll buy it if i know for a fact that i have a gig coming up that's like 2k and then i can pay off that camera right away like i never i never go into debt trying to get gear that's just my rule of thumb um and if you can't like if you can't pay off a new camera or a new stabilizer or a new lens within like the next one to two gigs you probably can't afford that lens and if you can't get an invoice that can pay off that lens you probably are not at a skill level where you should be upgrading anyway then you just need to be at your level and kind of like stay in your lane not in a rude way i don't mean to say like sound pretentious but it's just kind of like i've seen too many people with money or just throw all their money away into really nice gear but then they just one they don't know how to use it because they didn't go through the growth phase of like what they realize, like realizing what they need in gear um and also now they're just stressed out because they just spent so much money now they're in debt because they bought so much gear It's it's a process you have to go through like having the bad camera learning it all the way then investing and honestly like people's uh cycle in that can be shorter than others like some people can they can get to a point where they're, they're filming on a red in one year uh, in a creative sense. Sure. But sometimes it can take five years and that's okay. Everyone learns at different growth curves. Um, like for me, I've been, uh, when I first started out on content creation, I started out on like a Canon Rebel camera. And then I went to like a Canon 80D. Then I went to the Canon full frame, 6D, 5D, whatever, right? Um, but then it's been two years now, right? And now I'm filming on like a Black Magic, And that's just my skill level. Like, yes, I could... If I wanted to, I could probably go buy a red. But then at the same time, one, I can't pay off a red in two or three invoices. That's just too much. And two, Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't even know how to use it all the way through and all its functions. So that's like a self-check for myself. I probably shouldn't be buying a red. A bad decision would be like, oh, cool. Red is the buzz. Everyone's, everyone who's professional swimming on a red, I'm going to go buy one. That's, that's like how you don't want to approach buying new gear. And that's kind of how I avoid the shiny object syndrome the last time i pulled the trigger on a camera that i thought i shouldn't have and it was too soon was probably like when the black magic 6k came out like as soon as they announced yeah. that i was like boom i like bought it right away and that's probably not smart yeah i have both i have the 4k and the 6k oh, you do. but i'm so glad that i i did that though because it's it comes so it comes in clutch having both cameras but um yeah. that was like a time where i was like oh snap because i bought the 4k like right before that and then black oh, drops the 6k and i'm like bro that's just that's annoying but <laughs> i that's gotta the thing have with, it though right <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with gear though you know it's always evolving it's always changing there's always going to be a new camera a new lens um and really at a certain point like i feel like production quality unless you're trying to go into like actual filmmaking like literal movies and like narrative and, and documentaries um, all the stuff that we do and what we're talking about right now, all this content creation, YouTube, like small business, um, you know, videography, like dude, it's so subjective. Like you can get, you can shoot a high quality video on a thousand dollar camera at the level that we're at. Obviously you can't sure. show up to like a Netflix doc with an a 6,500 or like some a 7, yeah. Um, but you can hundred percent show up to like the pokey shop or restaurant down the street with the a 6,500 and they'll pay you 2k if it looks good. So like, for sure, at a certain point, it really just becomes subjective. It just depends on like what you're trying to do. Um, if you're trying to get into the cinema world and be like super into like doc and, and movie making, and you want BMW to hire you and your team, then yeah, your gear is important. But if you're a creator, as many of you are listening to this podcast are probably just wanting to make money full-time as a creator, you don't need all that fancy stuff. You, you can just get by with what you have right now.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I feel like I'm like three years into starting my business coming up um, next month and I still don't have like a cinema camera or like a Blackmagic camera. And honestly, I probably wouldn't even know how to use it. Um, and that's just me at my search and skill level. And at the end of the day, if you're, I feel like you should upgrade gear when it's holding you back. If you're getting a bunch of new clients who like, who need a specific type of equipment, like a lavalier mic, if you don't have that, or like a boom mic or a cinema camera, then yeah, maybe it's worth investing in it because you know those clients need it and they'll pay it off down the road um, versus buying it just because you want it and just to flex with it um, when your clients in reality don't even need it. Um, I feel like those cameras take up a bunch of storage and take up a bunch of memory too and you're gonna have to upgrade your laptop or your computer and every little accessory as well and all those things add up and if you're buying something it should be an investment and you should be getting a return out of it versus an expense and going to debt over it you know yeah
1: definitely um i would have to agree with that and honestly the fact that you've built what you have specifically you gordon have built what you have that's just proof to what i just said that like at the level that we're at you don't need all that cinema cinema gear to to build a successful business i mean you're literally out here building a headquarters you're out here building a team. You're out here making, uh, you know, way more money than a lot of these people. And you don't even have like a cinema camera because you, like you said, you don't, it doesn't, you don't need it right now. You know, like why, why upgrade if you don't need it? So that's, yeah, that's I definitely like,
0: thought about it, you know, just to, yeah. just to have, but then that's where it comes in. Like, fuck, you don't need it. So don't yeah. buy it. Exactly. Save that money and buy something you need or just fucking save it because reinvest it into the business. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Reinvesting into something that will give you a return, you know, or just set it aside and have some savings because that doesn't hurt yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, or put it into Tesla stock.
0: <laughs> yeah, that just spiked up. I bought it at like a four ninety eight, and that's, you now it's at like eight nine hundred the last couple of days. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. But it's going back down right now. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was up high yesterday though.
1: Bro, I just, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing lately with the money that I've been saving. It's just throwing it into the market because it's been pretty pretty volatile but uh yeah i just bought some uh bought some apple bought some microsoft i'm trying to like honestly i'm trying to just save up all my money and throw that into amazon that's just like my low-key strategy right now in life uh i'm just gonna save a bunch of money and throw it into amazon because i think amazon is gonna be like i think it's gonna be like six thousand dollars a share uh one day in like a couple years because amazon is like like no one's no one's taking over amazon no one's taking over amazon like amazon is like the biggest Yeah. This is kind of off topic, but dude, Amazon is like the (laughs) biggest, um, just powerhouse of a company right now. I don't think anyone can even compare to Amazon right now. It's kind of crazy actually.
0: So just tell everybody to sell all their gear (laughs) buy like five, 10 shares of Amazon. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sell everything. Just forget (laughs) filmmaking, bro. Forget content creation. Sell all your stuff and just sit on stocks, bro. All
0: right. Let's see. Let's dive into, um, some, Marketing tips, man. Um, I know you work with a couple retainer clients. Everybody asks, like, how do you find a retainer client? What should you include in that package? What's your approach on what you include with, let's say, one of your retainer clients? Um, Because I know it's usually customizable to that client, obviously, and their needs and their wants and what they're looking for. That's how I go about it. And it's no like set package that I could tell someone to deliver to their client because their client might need something totally different. Um, so what's the importance on retainer clients for you? How does that help you in your business?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so retainer clients are really big. Retainer clients are probably the single reason why I was able to be so profitable this past year in 2019 as a, freelance content creator, because I just feel like the model itself is just a really good model to have because, um, yeah, having, I I think I talked about some, my story one time, but like, if you wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars as a creator, let's say you're charging a thousand dollars on average per, uh, gig, you need to shoot a hundred gigs at a thousand dollars to make a hundred thousand dollars. Um, but if you have four retainers that pay, let's just say you get 25 K from each of those, you can make a hundred K uh in a year per month obviously like for the 25k um allocated into 12 months obviously but basically it's just a lot easier to break six figures with retainer clients and that's why I really like them. As far as Mm -hmm. like the packaging uh packages and pricing goes, uh yeah you're right. Gordon's exactly right. You it takes um a little bit of customization per client to get it to the where they want it to be but at the same time I do have a little uh strategy that I approach with I usually first work with them on a gig um yep. I usually try to make the I, I don't I don't know what you call it but a scarcity strategy um I usually tell them like hey like I want I want to make sure that this is a good fit Cause I want to make them know that like them working with me is a valuable thing for them. Not just me like begging, like, Hey, can you please, please, please be my retainer client? Like I'd never approach clients that way because then you look hungry and then that's when they're going to overwork you as a videographer. Um, you have to in make that's sure where,
0: yeah, people,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's where people get in that burnout mindset. That's when they don't get paid enough. That's that's when all, everything falls they apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to kind of know that Well, one, there's a lot of videographers out there because I've had clients, you know, I've never worked with them all the way through, but I have had clients in the past just be like, well, this is kind of high and there's a Bob Schmo down the street who's going to charge me less than that. And I'm like, all right, go for it then. Like go work with that videographer then because I got another client down the street over here who's going to pay what I'm asking right now. So if you don't want to pay that then that's cool because I can work with other clients And so when you when you kind of put the client not obviously you would never want to say that to a client in a meeting <laughs> But just when you have that in your mind, you just you approach pricing and packaging a lot more sh- uh, Strategically and you'll get paid more because you're not you're kind of giving them that scarcity strategy And so they kind of had that feeling like that anxiety like shoot We have to work with Edward because it seems like he's busy and we want to work with Edward and we like his work because you know when I did this at my last startup that I worked with at Rhino, like it's, it's a strategy. It definitely is like putting out numbers. You never clients never come out with the top number in the first number. They try to get a deal as a deal as possible. Like, I'm sorry to break it to anyone who's listening, but clients are not going to do you a solid and just pay you a bunch of money just because they like you. Like they have budgets, they have targets. They're going to try to get you as cheap as possible. And honestly, like, if you're a business owner and you're hiring an editor, aren't you trying to do the same thing? Are you gonna pay your first editor hundred thousand dollars just because he's worth that money? No. If he's down to work for forty k, you're gonna pay him forty k. That's just kinda how it goes. But if you really like him and he's like, "Yo, honestly, I want to work with you, but I'm gonna have to charge you sixty k a year," and you really like him, you're probably gonna fork up that extra twenty thousand dollars, right? And so it's just that, it's just that balance. Um, and so basically, you know, driving back to the retainer clients, what I usually do is I'll make sure that they understand that I have to make sure it's a good fit as well for me. And then from there I do a mock, a mock, or I do a a first gig and I don't get them into a retainer. I just say, Hey, let's work on a project together. I'll, I'll charge you my project rate for it. If you like it, let's talk about how we can continue, continue to work together. Usually that is like a pretty surefire way to close them as a client, because one I get to feel out without locking myself in right away. Like if I wanted to even work with this client and two, it's the same for the client. They get to feel out and see, oh, wow, this is like a dope video. We have to lock this guy in. And so when you do that now, they're also more open to paying you more money because they have something to base it off of. They have that like sample work, that first project that's literally for their business. And then they're, they're willing to pay more money. And so that's usually the approach that I take. I usually um, pretty much let them know that has to be a good fit. And then I also do a one test run project with them. And then I close them on on a retainer package. And honestly, there's no set number for retainers. Like I've seen people charge 15K for retainers a month and I've seen people charge 2K a month for retainers. It really varies. Like it's yeah. there's nothing specific, um, but something that I guess just a, a little quick bulleted, bulleted list of things that I do offer my retainer clients normally is like, uh, social media assets is always one of them. So like vertical post, uh, horizontal posts, Instagram stories, swipe ups. And then also I'll do like one full video, which can be used on YouTube or web. And then I'll usually do photos. Um, and lately, and a big reason, um, going back to the gear is a big reason why I got the 6k was because I'm usually a one man band and the screen grabs that you can pull out of a 6k footage are like unreal. Like I've gotten better photos out of my videos than i have with like on my canon eos r uh from my 6k Dang. videos so like with doing that now i've been kind of switching my model where i'm doing when i'm offering photos to clients i get i let them know like they're they're edited screen grabs from the video um and that way i i just like take out the whole photo session because I, I ran into this problem where like on my shoots i would like offer photos but it's just me so i like i'd have to like get the video and then right after like hey can we just do that all over again i gotta get the photos now like of the same thing and to avoid that that's why i got the 6k because they're basically 22 megapixel stills um and if it's in focus and you edit it in lightroom they look like money so um basically finding new ways to to make that retainer more sexy is is important going back to
0: that real quick do you just have them do like a quick freeze frame or something just like pause for a second grab that screen grab after after that like two second clip or you just grab it wherever there's a cool little frame
1: i pretty much just grab it wherever there's a cool little frame i mean you don't even have to have them stand still because they're i mean with a shot unless you're doing something like even if it is like pretty frantically moving there's got to be like one frame at least one frame that's like perfectly yeah like, true. in focus sure. right like they're not it's not gonna be blurry the whole time there's gonna be a part where they're like if it's a fitness one for example like there's gonna be a time where they're like standing still and breathing for like a split second and then they're going back into it So like that split second i'll grab a screen grab uh for the most part um for mm-hmm. i've been have been pretty successful with it like i'm shooting a promo video um i usually end up with around 20 to 40 screen grabs from a video which is like pretty solid nice. i mean obviously they're going to be like pretty similar cool. each one because it's one video but yeah and also to answer uh to go back to the point you were saying earlier i had a bottleneck like i couldn't do photos and videos at the same time so you up, i upgraded gear because i felt like it was important because it was ne- it was necessary and and it and it helped out but if i like didn't have that strategy in mind just pulled the trigger on it then it wasn't really it would be pointless not be wasting money on gear
0: for sure yeah. And going back to that um, topic of the retainer, I definitely think it's super important to have that relationship with that client, especially working with them once or twice or even multiple times before diving into like a retainer package because you get to see how you work with them as a client and how they work with you and even to see if you even want to work with them. If they're a pain in the ass off of just one project, imagine how big of a pain in the ass would be if you stuck with them for a couple months down the road, you know? Like it goes both ways. You choose them as much as they choose you. Um, and why would you want to? Why would you want to work with a client who's gonna take up twenty extra hours of your time just doing all these revisions and whatnot? When you could allocate that time elsewhere to someone else who's gonna pay you maybe the same amount, if not more, because time is money. At the end of the day, you don't want to be stuck with one retainer who's paying you maybe decent money, two, three, four, five grand or something a month, but. You're spending all your time focusing on this one client. And now you're making, what, let's say three grand a month off that client. And that's your only client because you're spending all your time on them. You're making, what, 36,000 bucks a year just for working with this client. And I feel like with the retainers too, you're working really closely with this client. So you're their go to editor or filmmaker, whatever you wanna call yourself, whatever service you're offering. At the same time, I don't want, I never like to tie myself down to just that one client because you want to see how your business could run without that client. You know, let's say you have one retainer who's paying you three grand a year. You don't want to be spending all your time focusing on that one client. You want to be going out, marketing yourself, getting more of that same client because when that client drops off, your business is still running and you're not back to ground zero making nothing because you put all your eggs in one basket.
1: That's that's really true. I'd have to just agree with everything you just said.
0: For sure. Yeah. And yeah, um, with retainers, it's definitely great to have a couple of retainers in your basket because not only do you get recurring revenue each month or you know X amount is coming in each month through these clients. So you have to do less work going out getting new clients. It's also good to build that relationship with that client as well because now that you're working with them every single month knocking out this fire content for them because they stuck with you. Now they're going to talk to other people in their industry or when people like look at their content. I'm like oh who created that for you you know and they're going to point you to Ed because he's been making all this content for me, tagging me and all this shit, and then they're gonna to wanna to work with you as well and that's just free marketing. Um, I feel like everything you create for your clients has to be fire, no matter what because that's your work that's getting published on social media, whether it's through your portfolio, through your social platform, or through someone else's and if they tag you and it looks like shit, then that's that person's first impression of you.
1: That's so true. You got to make sure your content is fire emoji guys. Okay. Fire emoji mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> Seriously. Now I, I couldn't agree more on all the retainer stuff. Like we, I, I have usually like when people ask, how do you get clients? I just made a video on my IGTV uh, a couple days ago on how to get clients, which, which I still do that tactic once in a while. But for the most part, you get to a point in your business when you just get word of mouth, it does happen. Like you get to a point where you've grown your business enough where your name is around that you will get clients just coming to you. When I was first starting out, I was like, man, that doesn't happen. That's never happened to me. I don't, I never have clients just coming to me. Um, I always had to work for it, but that's usually how it goes in the beginning. But eventually sure. you get to a point where one retainer client will lead to another retainer client. And then re like we talked about earlier, you only really need, like, honestly, like you only really need like four and like to be totally transparent. Like yeah. I had, I had probably three retainer clients last year and I made over six figures gross um, income with just three retainer clients. Obviously there's like a few one-off gigs in there that are like not retainer clients. But for the most part, I would say like 75% of that, uh, was retainer clients, which is three. Um, and so I think when you think of quality over quantity, like you said, you got to make sure that everything you post out is fire. Um, just make sure that like, everything that you're putting your time into is something one that you're into because in reality like what is all this for right like we're all trying to be content creators because we love to create content and if it becomes a busy chore for you then then what is it even for right like we're all here to be creative if you want to just make money we all we don't be on wall street trying to trade stocks right now become a day trader right but we just don't want to do that we want to be creative (laughs) and so don't forget to make sure to work with clients that that drive you that inspire you that make you feel good as a creative that's really important and also just retainer clients um it's low stress honestly because they're in it for the long haul with you and you're in it with the long haul for them so you don't have to like really worry about like oh am i not gonna have work next month am i not gonna have work in a few months like all that kind of worry goes away and you can really like focus in on on your content which i think is really important
0: heck yeah and for retainer clients, people ask like, how do you kind of like structure it, like legally and whatnot. For me, to be honest, I never like to lock them in on like a huge contract, like all right, now you're locked in for 12 months. I like to keep it kind of open ended and go in month to month. And that's what I do personally. Some people like to lock it in for three months, lock it in for six months. But I feel like for most clients, when they feel like locked in at a certain rate or just locked in in general, like they're not gonna be feel good about that. Like if you're confident in your work and confident in the services you're offering, yeah, they're gonna come back every fucking month and pay you that same amount every month. And that's what I do personally. Um, and I do still write up the contract. I'll send that out, um, list out everything they'll be getting each month. If something all changes another month, I'll go in and change that. But for the most part, um, it's all about comica- communication with your client what they'll be receiving, what you'll be offering. If there's things that need to be changed halfway through the month and they need something extra. All right. You got to talk with them, take out something here, add in something here um, as long as you're making the client happy. But you have to be happy still working with that client at the end of the day. You know um, where things get iffy is like, all right, your client wants you to edit 10 extra videos, but now you're spending 20 extra hours doing that and you're not communicating that with the client and you're, you feel burnt out, then you just fucking get pissed at the client, but you're not talking to the client saying, all right, I'm spending this much extra this month. Let's take out something here or let's add in an extra 500 bucks a month because you wanna add that in and then you just go back and forth if they wanna do that, you know? So communication mm-hmm. is huge. What what are your thoughts on communication um, with a retainer client specifically?
1: Oh, I think retainer client uh, communication is, is super key. I think you hit it right right on the head i think you need to communicate uh, early on i feel like it's just about drawing expectations you guys got to set the expectation early on um a common mistake that i feel like creators mm-hmm. will make in the beginning especially when it comes to retainer clients is that they'll just be so full send on it um that they give the impression to the client that they're willing to do everything and anything for them and that's dangerous because the client now that they have that expectation when they're like hey we need 10 different revisions we need this client we need this video in this area we need this video with this model and then you're like hey i can't deliver on that now you have this this disconnect because that's what they had in mind when you were going full send on it and so um communication is key like in the beginning you have to you have to really dial in like okay hey i'm gonna make x content for you there's gonna be x revisions for each of these and this is what you can expect the social Videos to look like this is what you can expect the youtube video to look like because that way when the expectation is set They're super stoked on it because you drew the expectation beforehand and then for you It's it's not as stressful because you know, you can do that because you've created that expectation So I think communication is really 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 important early on not just from the money-making standpoint, but just Uh honestly for like your anxiety levels and just your stress levels because it's so stressful when clients are like, Hey, like when you just feel like clients are not getting the message or they're just like, Hey, this revision needs to happen. And you're like, you revise it and it comes back and you're like, Hey, this is still not it. It just gets so stressful and I, you just want to drop the client right then and there. Yeah. Um, so I try to avoid that as much as possible. <laughs> for
0: sure. And I know you mentioned like for your retainer client, like you met, you included not only like your promo videos or your smaller micro videos for social, but you also included some images. I feel like being like a hybrid shooter is definitely definitely landed me a lot of gigs, being able to shoot both photo and video because now you're like a one-stop shop. They don't need to hire a photographer. They don't need to hire separate people. Do you recommend people dabble with one or the other? If they're, let's say, a filmmaker or videographer, do you recommend them learning how to shoot photos to offer that as a service if they'll land them more clients or just stick with one?
1: Um, That's a good question. I, I think it's important to kind of... I think nowadays people are either, or back in the day, they used to label themselves either as a videographer or a photographer. I think going into 2020, 2021, I think there's a third genre now, and that is just, you're a content creator. I think that's just, you're just both. And I think that is the most valuable one to have, in my opinion. Um, So I guess to answer your question, I think it really depends on what you're trying to do don't do something. Like I said earlier, don't do something that you don't love to do. Like if you don't like taking photos, don't force yourself to take photos. Um, but the reality is content creators, it's the most reliable. And from this like small business area, kind of freelancing, self-employed kind of route content creators, where you want to be, which is basically photo and video. But if you want to do it's like this. If you want to be just a videographer, then you just have to be the one that's going to go down the DP route. Like if you know, you want to be like a filmmaker and all you want to do is hold a movie camera and you want to work on a big set. And all you want to do is just film, 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 video. And you have, you care about lighting and, and colors and all that kind of stuff, then don't do photo. Cause then it's just going to become a chore for you. Um, and if you want to be a photographer and you're really interested in having like really high ticket invoices for like someone paying you for like a headshot or some fashion shoot, then definitely go the photo route. Don't even pick up a video camera because it's not worth your time. It'll be a chore. But if you're just trying to make money as a creator and you want to offer the most value, then I think you it is valuable to learn both video and photo. Um, you can obviously be stronger in one. Um, I think photos, I mean, to be honest, not to discredit any photography uh, photographers, but bro, taking photos is easy. I'm not going to lie. Like you just slap yeah. on a prime lens on there. You get a good preset. And honestly, there are a lot of clients who are like this is fire. And it can literally yeah, be so like the
0: majority of clients yeah. think it's fire. Yeah, exactly. Unless like, you're trying to get like an editorial gig or something. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. But and for like 90% of the people out there, you could probably deliver something of high quality to them
1: that's what i'm saying like i i mean i really don't want to make any photographers mad like i i have a respect for people who have like really good photography skills when it comes to editorial but to be honest i don't care what anyone says making a fire video is so much harder than making a fire photo and i um it's a fact like you could dm me and argue me with that but like i will argue that making a video is so much harder than making a good photo like yeah if you put in and also it's just people are going to pay more right like Let's say you go to, um, like a, like a restaurant down the street and you want to book them as a client. What are you going to go in there and tell them that you'll take a food photo for a thousand dollars? They'll be like, no, I'm I'm straight off that. But if you go in there and tell them you want a video for a thousand dollars, they'll probably be more interested because one video is more in need right now. And they know that takes more work too. And so, but I think if you were to add photography, like you were mentioning and you do both, you can squeeze like maybe an extra $500 out of that client because you're now offering photos as well. So I think if you add it in addition to your skill mm-hmm. of video, I think it's pretty valuable. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think it is, it is worthwhile to pick up photography if you're a filmmaker right now and you trying to make money.
0: Cool. Yeah. I feel like being versatile is key, but knowing your niche as well, knowing what route you want to go in specifically is definitely crucial. You could either go more towards editorial photography, um, or specialize in high-end food photography, even to more the content creation for small businesses, corporate kind of route, um, even events and weddings and whatnot. I still put that in that middle lane, and then on the other lane would be more towards towards that filmmaking route, doing docs and whatnot. Going off topic, I know you guys just got married officially, like a couple months ago, two months ago, three months ago, March.
1: No, like like a month ago uh march
0: 21st yeah how's it been man um
1: it's been, it's been really awesome i i feel like i don't know we've been together for a while now but i just feel like i'm living with my best friend that's that's kind of what it feels like and she's just like really supportive of all of my creative endeavors and so um only balanced thing is like i i realize like while being around her i work a lot um and so i'm trying to yeah trying to figure out like a balance on that. I think when we were like dating and I wasn't, we weren't living together. I think it's a little easier to work a lot because like you literally have to set aside time to be together. But then, uh, when we're just like at home together and we're not on a date or anything, like I'm realizing that I'm working a lot of those times and not just like being together, like even in the house, if we're not doing anything. Um, so that's just like a little bit of a balance. I realized like, I like to work. So I'm trying to figure out how I can, dial back a little bit while my business can still grow um so i'm still figuring that out i'm trying to make more money and work less if that makes sense so sure. yeah but that's going to take and some I time you, i know you
0: like yeah. to work at night too. do you still work at night
1: uh it's gone it's gone a lot better it's gone a lot better i i try to work during the day now um so i i try my best right now like my cutoff time is around um like 11:30 p.m. Um, it's really, that's still really late, obviously, but <laughs> before, before I used to still be working at like 2 a.m. 1 a.m. Damn, um, for sure. So yeah, but I wouldn't start my work day till like 8 p.m. though. Like usually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'll start it, but I don't really dive into the heavy stuff like editing at, until nighttime. I don't know why. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'll do like busy work, like email admin work on some like other client stuff. But I'll start really getting into like a flow like at night and I'm trying to switch that around, but yeah, it's gotten better though. I mean, there's been a few nights where I've just like turned off at like 7 PM and just was like, not on my phone, not on my computer, but obviously those are far and few in between, but trying my best. But other than that, to answer your question, married life is is awesome. It's cool. I like living with Christine.
0: Have Have you guys been kicking a lot during quarantine? Is she at home right now too?
1: Yeah, she's home right now too. We've just been kicking it a lot for sure. We've just been eating work. I mean, honestly, I've been been Honestly, I've been pretty busy with during quarantine. Like I haven't really had that much downtime Like I've honestly been working more ironically during this quarantine. Yeah Um, but for the most part, it's been pretty chill as far as like hanging out with Christine goes. We have a lot of downtime so she's home, like obviously she's not working right now, cause she's a sales rep and she can't go to doctors and offices, cause they're all closed. Mm-hmm. So she's been working from home a lot, which means she's home, um, home more. So that's good. Um, but yeah, it's been good. How about you and you and Brooke?
0: Um, yeah, we're chilling. She's working at home as well. Um, she works in the other bedroom, so I feel like I'm in my office a lot, even if yeah. we're like home together. I'm I'm still working a lot, or I'm at mm-hmm. the other office. Um, but. I tried to shut down at a reasonable hour as well. Yeah. Um, I used to work a lot at night. Like, I used to, like, thrive working at night. Or I, I could still stay up, like, all night. I'm, like, a fucking night kind of person. But being married, you kind of definitely got to shift things around to kind of balance the needs of your partner as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I tried to get my stuff done. I still structure my day similar to, like, a 9 to 5 still and try to get all my work within that time frame because that's what she kind of works in that nine to five kind of time frame. So by the time she's done, she kind of like expects me to be done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like when she's not working, like I shouldn't be working. So trying to sneak into my office and getting those extra couple projects done, like while she's like still doing stuff or something or trying to balance my time a little bit better to um, get a lot done in the morning or in the afternoon. I feel like it's super important. Like, I don't want to be sitting on the computer getting nothing done for 10 hours straight. Like, I want to sit down, blog off two to three to four hours and just go all in during that time versus, yeah, just chilling here, not getting nothing done and then being stressed out at nighttime because my project's not done um, by sure. the morning or something. For so sure. um, I feel like my workflow definitely has to be more on point right now, especially if I want to spend more time with her. But I feel like that work-life balancing is kind of, I don't know. It's, it's no specific way to kind of go with that. You just kind of like learn through that experience and see how to do the best you can at the end of the day. You know,
1: it's a forever thing. It's a forever balancing thing. Like it's, it's, it's tough. Work-life balance is always going to be tough for anyone who takes their business seriously or wants to grow their business. It's, it's a people who are billionaires right now still struggle with work-life balance too. So, um, I think it's just an ongoing thing to be honest. That's cool though, man. You got the office. I'd love to hear more about that. Like how that just was came out of the cuts. Have you been looking for one for a while now?
0: Yeah. So I feel like at the beginning of the year, I was just kind of looking like I'd go on like those office websites where um, you look up like different leases and whatnot. And I would just save a couple different like search keyword terms and then email me like when one pops up here and there. Um, but I haven't really found the right one. And then one finally came up out of the blue, like in March. Um, um, in the area I wanted to in North Scottsdale, that's like the prime spot where all my clients are at, even though it's still like a 30, 35 minute drive from where I currently live. Um, that's where I'm at like every single day. So having like a office space in that area now, it could be like a one-stop shop for all my clients to come to me rather than me have to go to each individual spot. I could kind of create like a core spot now my office hq place where they could come knock out their production knock out some photo shoots there um and that saves me a bunch of time too and then i could kind of branch off my services and offer some other things where i couldn't have offered just working out of my home Um, so i feel like it's cool just being in the area i wanted to and kind of definitely leaping out of my comfort zone and having a fucking paying for uh office space now that's a big expense um, it helps me and motivates me a lot more to definitely grow my business exponentially rather than being kind of like comfortable um, at, comfortable with where I've been, I guess, the last year. I like to try to be as uncomfortable as I can in most scenarios, but that's definitely easier said than done, obviously. So I feel like just trying to do a little bit something each day that I would do, dif- I guess, trying to be different. Than my normal day to day tasks and stuff, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's kind of going off on a tangent. Dude, but that's yeah, awesome. It's, go, it's going good, man.
1: Congratulations, dude. That's so cool, man. That is a that's a big deal, man. Getting your first space for production and just your first office, man. That's that's so cool. And you guys the office is looking awesome Come, according to your story as i'm following along i'm like dang like it just kind of has that i feel like all the offices or like startups or just like companies in like the texas area they all have that like oh. kind of warehouse vibe like the g- open yeah. garage door like white walls like natural lighting like a lot of those like i don't know like if you follow like um like Al- alphalete stuff like christian guzman but like his oh, yeah, his it. first i mean he's opening like um what you call it, like uh, the alpha Alpha land land. or whatever. But like even before like his offices and stuff, like they kind of had that, like that garage door vibe and like Like the the office units. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's just, that's awesome. We don't have that kind of stuff out here in Seattle.
0: Oh, you don't? Yeah, I feel like then again, like you look at people who might have like a, Big ass Alpha Land or something, but then again, they live in Texas where real estate's way cheaper. Way cheaper, yeah. Seattle, you can't get that shit in the middle heart of Seattle, you know. So I feel like sometimes you might look at other people and then you fall into that comparison nitis fucking trap, comparing yourself to other people. But it also comes to comes down to like where they live and you don't know the whole scenario. At the end of the day, like my office space is gonna be way cheaper than you trying to get it in Seattle, and I'm able to get it because it is a lot cheaper, you know? You like yep. get the same shit if you're in Arizona. So there's nothing... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's nothing like... Nothing that people are doing significantly different than you are. It just comes down to their situation might be a little bit different. So you can't For look sure. at that and be like, all right, that's way out of reach. You just kind of got to...
1: Dude, that's so shift crazy. And do something How, different, you know? Did you... You probably haven't yet, but I I posted a a tip today my final tip and it's about the process and Like what what you just said? I I, like literally almost said it word for word in in the video where I was basically like All of the all of the stuff you see on social media is unrealistic because it's curated Like it's not actually how it was like you don't see the full picture the full story like nine out of ten times on social media what you see um, is their best work. Like no one's going to show like all the struggles that it took to get to that one post or that one project. Um, uh, that's just crazy. Like that's how, you know that our network is aligned because we're like in the same line of thinking, which is just really interesting. That's why
0: you're the first guest too. My yeah, friend. bro. That's crazy. Got that same trainer thought. I love it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're what two, two years into your business, a little over to you. Um, What are your goals for the next year or two?
1: Um, good question. So, uh, for the longest time I was going to come out with a filmmaking course. Um, and that's still probably going to happen at some point, but I'm kind of shifting it, I think to more, um, smaller group kind of like coaching kind of things, less of like the whole, like filmmaking course style. Um, and also i'm also phasing out of retainer clients um because okay. um yeah i mean I, I i don't know i can't it's so early on and i don't want to talk on it too much but basically like um i recently got a partner for business and um he's investing into a company that we're starting and it's it's basically a brand development team um cool. i just don't i just don't like the word agency because that word is just so played out um but basically right now we just got two new hires and uh, we have an editor and some digital marketing people but basically we're going to be running um like a production team alongside with amazon optimization and so we're going to be working with clients that are struggling to sell their products online and we're going to get them set up on the amazon front and then also we're going to have content creation uh for them and that's just kind of like the early stages of phase one of how we're going to profit but my hope is that this company we're starting with this brand will eventually evolve into um something that's just a, a brand for the brands like we're not really like someone that just works with s- specific clients like we are our own company is a brand so we want to eventually have our hands in like apparel in music in um anything really like in in prints um um only company i can really kind of related to or that's similar what trying to do is like complex I don't know if you guys follow complex, but they're like complex sneakers, complex music they're the ones who do all like this the shopping sneakers with celebrities like that kind of stuff. Um, they're nice. also the ones who sponsor hot ones um, the one with the chicken wings where they're eating the hot ones and they're interviewing celebrities like they sponsored oh, yeah. like they bought out that show like it was first started by these two guys and then complex came in the picture and they bought out the show. And so at the end of the video like they're not branding complex at all but at the very end they're just like a little logo that says complex um that Mm -hmm. is sponsored by them and so that's kind of the vision for what we want this brand to be um kind of similar also to uh like red bull um you guys know like red bull they're an energy drink company but i mean they have their hands in everything like red bull has a production team red bull has a sports team red bull has a racing team like they're they're a brand that sells us something and does something, but they also are just pretty much a brand on themselves alone. Like anything they touch could be profitable. And so that's kind of where, what I'm building right now with this team is, is a little less than the traditional agency route. We're just going to kind of float that client route early on to be profitable so we can make money, but it's eventually going to evolve into something similar, more similar to like the complex route, which is kind of like a, a, it's a brand. It's basically a brand that can stand on its own without clients if it needed to.
0: Heck yeah, man, yeah. that's huge. Congrats on that. Yeah, it's so
1: brand. it's pretty early on. Um, we're working on the website right now, and I'm pretty excited about it. So I'll, I'll keep you guys in the loop. Um, maybe when I come down and visit you in Arizona, I can. We'll, it'll be in a different spot. I'll maybe have something to show you at that time too.
0: Super exciting that you're kind of taking things a different direction than most creatives have aren't taking at all or no one really is taking that route and -hmm. just doing something different i feel like new um job journeys are always fun when you're doing something like you're not used to doing like going towards that filmmaking course yeah everybody's kind of doing it now doing that digital stuff but going something a totally different route Mm -hmm. it's going to be neat to see how that um plays out in a year from now or year or two
1: yeah definitely thinking long game so we'll see we'll see where we are like a decade from now maybe it's going to be a a brand that everyone sure. knows yeah
0: oh yeah bro so that's where you see yourself a year or two from now what else could we dive into we've talked about a lot so far let's dive into your 30 tips in 30 days um i know this is your second round doing it right
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: what made you want to do it again or why did you even start it in the first place what's your whole goal of doing it
1: uh that's a good question 30 tips and 30 days was started because i was in a creative rut the first time around um and so the series basically forced me forced me to be creative for 30 straight days um and that first time around i used it to kind of pull me out of a little creative rut that i was in but then i realized that it's also really fun for me um and a little instagram hack when you post 30 straight 30 videos for 30 straight days on your account instagram algorithm loves you and you'll start pushing your stuff heavy uh, that's a I mean, you obviously hear about it a lot that video is the move for Instagram, which is true. It's very true. But then when you do it for 30 straight days and you're doing all video, um, it has a big impact on your account. I would be shocked if any of you listening to this posted 30 videos for 30 straight days and you didn't get any engagement on your post. Like usually like so when I was at like, I think it was like, uh, I forgot what follower account I was. I just know that the first time around for 30 tips in 30 days, I gained like 3,500 followers from doing nice. 30 tips in 30 days. Um, and then from there, this second time around, I kind of just wanted to do it because one, we're in quarantine and I have a lot more time on my hands and a lot more people's screen time is up because they've been on their phones a lot more. And so I feel like it was just a good time to release it again. And I've kind of been wanting to do it because um, I feel like it just... I don't know, doing something like that really just like fire, like puts a fire under your butt. Like, and you just want to go really, really hard for 30 days. And then from after it, you just feel really motivated to get stuff done. And so that's exactly what happened with mine too. And um, I also just want to let people know that I'm a filmmaker, obviously, like I make YouTube videos, I make promo videos, but I want people to know that uh, I want to show people that it's not just the only thing I do. And that even though I'm at the level that I am, even though I have a lot more a long ways to go, you don't always have to post like some crazy elaborate, like some video, like some of my posts are like 60 seconds long, really low pressure, really simple talking bits. And it's kind of just giving creators the green light that like, Hey, like you can do this too. You know, it's not just some crazy skillful thing that I'm doing. It's really simple. Like anyone can do it. And so I think that's why I wanted to create this second time around. is just to kind of inspire people to honestly just start creating and just making something happen. Yeah. And for
0: stuff like that, did you like kind of batch it up? Or you go like every single day, shoot a new one every single day? Or-
1: every day, bro. Every day. Every day? Yeah. Dang, like I didn't, it. I didn't, that's, that's like my rule for myself when I started this series is that like, it would defeat the purpose of the 30 tips in 30 days for myself if I shot like, 15 beforehand and then posted it every day for 15 days like that I mean, yeah, you could go that route if you just want to do it for like the algorithm hack and just like just overall engagement but like this is more so a personal challenge as well because Creating going out there holding a camera every single day for 30 days. It it does something to you mentally like it it, it forces you because now like today is may 1st and i'm like I feel weird not going to grab my camera right now to go film a tip today and I wanted that feeling because that I now I feel like I can exert that energy into my business because I don't have to go film a tip today and so like it just it just does a lot for your mental it does a lot for your work ethic so uh yeah man every day I went out there was one there was one tip I think on one Friday or Saturday in like the second week that I shot two in one day Cause I knew like one of the Saturdays I'm, I was going to be busy and I had no time to shoot a tip. And so I, I backlogged, I think like one time, but other than that, like I shot every single day, like the one I just posted today, I shot, um, I, I actually posted it a day late, but I shot it last night and then I posted it this morning.
0: So do you normally wake up, come up with a topic, shoot it, edit it same day, then post by the nighttime?
1: bro i wish i wish it came up when i wo- when i woke up bro
0: bro those bro
1: some of those topics are last minute like sometimes literally i'll just i'll literally just like i'll take 10 minutes out of the day because if you guys notice if you watch the tips they're all posted either at 6 p.m or around 9 p.m like i never posted in the morning and that's just proof that I, I never backlogged them because I, I shot it every day. I needed time to edit it and work on it, and that's why I posted it at night, but literally, like, around the 4 p.m. mark or the 5 p.m. mark, I'd be like, bro, I gotta film a tip, and it you would it would, like, <laughs> kind of stress me out. Like, I would have low-level anxiety every day having to film that tip, but sometimes I would literally just I would just wing it. I would just be like, it would come to me like last second. I'd be like, cool, we're just going to do it on this. And then as I start, I start to feel like, okay, I start to envision what it was going to, what's going to look like. And then I just kind of execute on it. Um, I did have like a bulleted list before where I like put it in my phone in the notes app. Like I, like some ideas that I, like I ran through. So if I'm like driving and it comes up, I'll, I write it down there. So I probably had like 10 um, like ideas that I for sure wanted to do before the tip started. Um, but after that, like around like tip 16, it was pretty much like a free for all after that. Like the one wheel one I just did the other day. Like I literally was in my office in Seattle and I was like, bro, I have no tip today. I have, I have no idea what to do. Cause I was up there to shoot a real estate video. And I was like, bro, you know what? I'm just going to flip on the one wheel. I'm going to do a little intro and I'm going to show the clips that I got for the real estate video. <laughs> That's literally yeah, what I did. down, got a couple yeah. of
0: clips of restaurants down the block. Exactly, <laughs>
1: down down the water. Like, and and even that, even the those clips that I got, it wasn't when I shot the intro. I did those clips like earlier in the day. So like, okay. Yeah, I just, I just had to finesse it as many co- times as I could.
0: <laughs> so how does it work when you find like a second shooter to like film your shit? Like, all right, I'm gonna need you tomorrow afternoon, but I don't know what, where yet or what yet. Or do you just oh, hit them up yeah. in the afternoon like. Uh, you have a homie like near you at least or
1: um i mean i do i do have a go-to so our our company we're starting we have a videographer and he was my editor before i started this company um but i kind of trained him to start shooting as well and so he's kind of been like my go-to second shooter my, my boy kevin um he's super talented but then um some days like obviously he's busy so i'll literally just like grab anyone i'm with and they'll film it for me like christine has filmed some of those i'll just like frame it and i'll just like pull focus for her i'm like hey just like stand right here i'm gonna hop in real quick and do this or one day it was like my brother and he doesn't even film and i'd be like like the slider tip we were in my driveway and i was like hey i'm can you just hold the camera right here i'm just gonna hop in i like framed it all everything for him um but yeah i would just Grab anyone who's around and just ask them to hold the camera and just just full send it. Dope, love it. Yeah, man.
0: and you're you just finished with your 30 days, right?
1: I'm done. I'm I'm not filming a tip today, bro. <laughs> I'm no. so tired of hearing myself say, "What's up, guys? Welcome to 30 tips in 30 days." <laughs> Bro, I'm so tired of that. Like I'm, I'm not saying that today. Yeah, I saw sure. your,
0: your video on your story where you posted someone like scrolling <laughs> through and you kept repeating yourself. <laughs> I know.
1: And then it got to a certain point where I was like, whatever. Now at this point, it's just a consistency thing. I'm just going to keep it the same. <laughs> so done. what do you got
0: working on um, for May other than like your new, new company?
1: Um, it's pretty much, no, nah, it's just, it's just that, um, getting the website, um, up and running. Um, we're going to start closing, pitching some clients. Uh, we're basically creating, I'm getting a web design and we're trying to create this, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Besides it's a digital unboxing experience. So, um, that's mainly for like the proposals and pitch decks and the way we deliver our assets. And we're just trying to really make it like really unique and fancy because I feel like the digital medium is powerful. And I mean, everyone knows it. when you buy new clothes and you buy new shoes, when you buy anything, that's like an actual good, sometimes you'll open it and be like, whoa, like you feel stoked about it because the packaging is so nice and you haven't even like put on the product yet or used the product yet. And that's exactly how I want my clients to feel before they even watch any kind of content that we create for them. And so I feel like a lot of that comes in on the front end, like website, email, um, preview, sneak peeks, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm trying to dial all that stuff in. So I feel like that's what's really going to separate us as a brand from like any other like little agency that's out here trying to like just make a ton of money and and flip a profit. Like that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to make something that's like more meaningful, more impactful, something that is less quantity and more quality. Um, But yeah, pretty much not just May, but probably May through um, end of the year, just going to be hunting down on that. I don't know if i told you gordon but like i applied to the adobe creative residency um a couple months ago yeah so i it's basically a program by adobe um and they they have this a residency program where they'll pay you a salary for a whole year to pursue a project that you pitch them um so yes so last yeah i i got i got through to the second interview um on it but i didn't make it when it got to the final round um and so my whole project for that i was going to film a documentary for a year uh, and not take on any other client work but it just didn't work out and then that's when um it was in the midst of starting this company so i mean there's a lot of moving parts but i was kind of sad about not getting the residency because i never applied to college and i never applied to any scholarships but bro let me tell you like i never put So many hours into a proposal pitch deck. Like, I'm super proud of that pitch deck. It looks honestly like not to gas, but it looks fire. And I really thought I was gonna get it, but I don't think it just. I just don't think it aligned with what Adobe was looking for at the time. So I did. I didn't get the residency. But if you're listening to this and you and you you everyone should apply to that every year. It's super cool, especially if you don't have a full blown business yet and you're like a creator who's trying to start out check out the Adobe creative residency.
0: That's cool, man. But at least yeah. you probably learned so much out of yourself and out of the whole process and you still took away something or a bunch of positive things out of that. So mm-hmm. whether you got it or not, and you already got your other business popping off now too. So it kind of all worked out. Yeah. So definitely. you just never where, where things are going to lead to, man. It's kind of, that's kinda so cool. true.
1: That's so true, man.
0: All right. So we'll sum it up right now. And I'm gonna ask you one last question, man. So if you could go back in time and tell your old self one key nugget you wish you would have known, what would that be? Uh,
1: The one key thing that I really would love everyone to take away is that you have to enjoy the process. Um, Too many people are, uh, I just made a video on this, but too many people are outcome-based and not process-based. Don't think about how many followers you want, don't think about um, the cool little gear you want, don't think about all that stuff because that, those are all, um, they come by default when you start to just love the process. So I think a lot of more people need to focus on how they can deal with the struggles that happen in their life, in the process. Um, that's just something that I've learned like later, but I wish I would have knew sooner. It's just that it's okay to not have a fire podcast episode if it's your first one it's okay to not have a fire youtube video it's okay to not have a hundred thousand followers on instagram or have bad photos or have a bad video what's not okay is if you get discouraged by that and you just drop it all you need to like use it as fuel because when you use it as fuel by default all that all that stuff that we just talked about earlier about followers and being successful as a business owner all that comes like as a result Of you loving the process so that's my one key takeaway I wish I knew when I was starting out just bask in your failures just like really embrace it like if you don't if you come out with a video when you don't do that and you don't enjoy the process you start that's when the comparison trap actually happens in my opinion because you're so focused on everyone else and what they're doing and how much they're crushing it you're starting to forget about your own process. And that's when you start to get into that weird mindset. But when you're just so dialed in on your own lane, on your own process, that is when like the magic happens, in my opinion, that is when you make the most strides. And that's not just in business, that's like in life overall.
0: Love it, bro. And like going Mm. back to the failures, like someone once told me like the faster you fail, the quicker you learn. Like you have to go through those failures and go through the trenches no matter what. Um, within any business because that's where you fucking learn the most and grow the most and learn more about yourself. Exactly. So love that takeaway, brother. Love it. Love it. So where can people find you, man? Um,
1: people can find me at Edward Lee Films. Um, it's E-D-W-A-R-D Edward L-E-E Films. Um, pretty much that's my handle across the board. Uh, but you <laughs> could probably find me mainly on Instagram is where I'm the most active. But I'm probably going to be taking my YouTube more seriously. So youtube.com slash Edward Lee films. You can check out my content there as well. But, uh, yeah, man.
0: Cool. So you said it, I'm going to be waiting for your YouTube content.
1: Hey, all right. Put it, put it out into the universe.
0: 30 YouTube videos, 30 days starting May. Oh, heck no. <laughs> but literally,
1: I literally just had like a low, like a low level anxiety attack. Just hearing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, bros, great having you on my podcast. Episode three, first guest, you crushed it, man. I feel like so many people who are listening are of the similar audience to you so mm-hmm. hopefully they could take away a lot of a lot of nuggets that you dropped and learning about your process learning about how you started your struggles and everything in between
1: definitely thanks for having me it was a blast and uh looking forward to all the future podcast episodes
0: yeah appreciate you brother peace peace all right guys that's a wrap hopefully you guys found a lot of useful nuggets out of this conversation with Ed. He's a super cool dude based out in Seattle, so go give him a follow on IG and his social media forms at Edward Lee Films if you haven't already. And I'm gonna be diving into a lot more topics like this within my private Facebook group. If you guys aren't in that as well, you can search on Facebook. Business for Creatives community, and it'll pop up. I have over 400 groups now. We just broke that number last week, and I just dropped a new video in there um, going over introduction to contracts, what to include, what not to include, and diving deep into topics like that, where you guys are asking me questions about, but people aren't putting out the answers to. So go ahead and join the Business for Creatives community on Facebook if you haven't already and i'm looking forward to pump out number four i'm not sure what the topic for that podcast episode will be yet but it's going to be a good one so